Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. to another episode of the Fishers of Men podcast. I'm Mary Ashley Burton, and here I am with Liz Galveo. Hello. And so you have a podcast called My Wife is in This Room. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And so this podcast is about The Bachelor. Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really curious uh, to talk to you about your podcast and why you started it and also lessons you might have learned from watching The Bachelor because you probably have watched it more than any other person that I know. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sad to think about. (laughs) It's your claim Um, to fame. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's a podcast I do with my husband, um, hence my wife is in this room. It's also, that's also something that they say a lot, the bachelors, um, when they're in a room with, say, 25 other women, (laughs) they're like, I know my wife is in this room. Um, how do they know? I don't know. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, but you haven't really watched the show, you said, right? No, I really haven't. I mean, I want to say I've seen a few full episodes. I've seen, like, maybe three or four full episodes. Mm. Yeah. Um, should I just go over, like, the format of the sure. show really quickly? Yeah. yeah, so it's a reality show. Um, it's basically, well, they have The Bachelor and The Bachelorette now. The Bachelorette is, like, the a woman is the star of the show or whatever. But um, it's basically one person um, who is, like, supposed to be a super eligible bachelor or bachelorette. Um, <clears throat> which, like, now it's mostly, like people who have been on previous seasons of the show. When it first started, they, like, really tried to cast someone who had, like, an amazing job or background <laughs> or something. Now it's just, like, this person is an Instagram model, I guess. <laughs> um, but they start out usually with, like, 20 to 30 um, people of the opposite sex on the first night. And then that gets whittled down over about eight weeks I want to say um where they go on a variety of like group dates and one-on-one dates and then you know they have a rose ceremony at the end of every episode you get picked if you get the rose exactly yeah yeah. (laughs) and so there's always some people that don't get picked um it gets more and more intense as you know these relationships go on um I mean I think it's fascinating just because at this point I think there's been like 25 seasons of the bachelor and oh like, my gosh that many yeah like 14 of the bachelorette or something like that um so like it's so artificial at this point that i'm kind of fascinated like when it seems like people actually do have real feelings for each other <laughs> which it's also like sort of like a psychological experiment because um the contestants i guess you would call them or like the people who are trying to win over this bachelor bachelorette are all 
living together in they start out in this mansion in Calabasas and they're living in like bunk beds together and they don't have their phones they don't have tv they're kind of like isolated and like if you think about the psychological ramifications of that it's like of course you become obsessed with this guy or woman oh yeah you know and like that it's like your entire reality gets distorted yeah and like their only chance to leave the house is like when they go on dates yeah so so of course you're like oh my god i'm so in love with him (laughs) (laughs) so that part is really fascinating to me um and then after a couple weeks they go um travel like first they travel a couple cool cities in the u.s and then they go internationally um and that's always interesting too like how they react to these different environments but yeah uh that's pretty much the premise of the show oh and then of course like at the end there's two final contestants and the bachelor proposes to one of them um in the end and they usually get engaged um on the bachelorette this is what i think is kind of interesting is like usually it's two guys at the end and they both kind of propose to her (laughs) but she only accepts one proposal which is like come on like it's very like um set in these traditional gender roles that way where it's like wouldn't it make more sense for her to propose to the guy like if she's doing the picking at the end like I don't know. It's interesting because you said now it's artificial, but was it ever not artificial? Well, no. (laughs) Well, like, I think when it first started, you know, it was like one of the first reality TV shows. So, like, when they were first casting it, they had women of, like, different sizes on, different careers. Like, it wasn't all, like, hot 23-year-olds who are aspiring models or aspiring social media stars. Whereas now it's, like, very cookie-cutter in terms of the type of women that they cast or the type of men that they cast. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the older seasons. I'd be really interested to go back and watch. But, like... Some of the, I think the very first couple is still together um, Mm. on, like, the first season of The Bachelor. Um, And there's, like, there's a couple couples that have made it through. Overall, it's like, does not have a great success rate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do you have those stats? Do you know how many? I don't have the stats with me. I do... Um, I have observed several trends, which is sort of on this list I brought of things yeah. I learned from The Bachelor. Okay, so these are 10 things I learned from The Bachelor. Hopefully, mm, great. you know, this will help us all with our relationships. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one is first impressions matter. Mm. So um, on the first night that they have, like, let's say it's a guy, he has, t- like, 30 25 30 women that he's meeting um usually it like they film all night like the sun is coming up by the time they have the rose ceremony wow yeah um but at the um prior to the rose ceremony he gives out uh, a first impression rose which is like the person i guess he's like most excited about meeting that night that he really sees like a potential connection with and that's after 
what is that after he just sees them or they talk a little so yeah usually like they each get like a little bit of time with him like filming one-on-one they'll go sit on a couch and talk or like sometimes the producers will set up like a cute little moment or something i mean the first night's kind of crazy because you have this segment of limo entrances which is like very shticky and um <laughs> like tr- like i don't know people like dress up in costumes people come out on horses and stuff um <laughs> yeah so like i guess that like the entrance is supposed to be part of it but um but i think more important is like the one on one time where and if you can make that quick connection so statistically um, I've learned this from playing like Bachelor Fantasy League, but <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, the winner of the first impression rose on the first night has like a seventy percent or sixty percent chance of like going all the way, basically, and being the one that they get engaged to in the end. Wow! And have you noticed certain things are more successful when giving off a first impression, or I guess when making a first impression? Yeah. Um. So, well, this is kind of random, but, like, the people that wear costumes, you have to wear the costume all night. You can't take it off. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be committed. you have to commit. Yeah, commitment is good, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's interesting because, like, some of the people they end up with have some of the worst, to me, like, the corniest first impressions. Like, so last season of The Bachelorette, there was sort of a controversial, um, the guy that was chosen was sort of controversial for some of his like politics as expressed on social media. Um, but his first impression was he came out in a minivan, like loaded up with kids stuff and was like, I'm ready to settle down and be like your minivan guy or whatever. And like the bachelorette, Becca was like really tickled by that. And that's something that, like, I don't know, I guess stayed with her. Like, this is a guy that's ready to have a family life. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My husband hated that. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to imagine how that would ever translate into the real world. Right. Besides just saying, I'm really ready to have kids. (laughs) Well, that's what's interesting about this, too, and... Like, people, the rules are, like, completely different. Yeah. Whereas it's, like, you have to get your message across really fast. Um, And what they, like, a lot of the bachelors and bachelorettes say is that, like, it's really, like, yes, it's a short amount of time, but, like, all eight weeks are devoted to dating. So it's almost like if you, like, take, I don't know, a year or two of dating and, like, compress it into Mm. this intense time period... You know, I mean, sometimes, obviously, it's, like, really hard to get to know someone in that period of time. But I can sort of see the argument for, like, why that would be effective. I don't know. Yeah, because you don't have a job. Like, you're only focused on that. But in terms of wearing a costume, that's something I'm <laughs> unlikely to try. No? You're going to wear a sloth costume to, uh, <laughs> to, to a first date? date. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm still single, so maybe I should try it. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Never know. What a guy's going to be into. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's there's something about that first impression yeah. of going with your gut, I think, that could be a takeaway, possibly. Yeah, but also kind of 
Uh, what I'm hearing too is sort of like knowing what makes you special and unique and mm. learning kind of how to distill it and communicate that to someone. Yeah. Because that's really important for first dates because it is so easy for things to go off the rails and you and then both of you are kind of like what happened (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like I don't know like I was on a date and this guy told some told a story and it was a really pretty innocent story but basically was about like and and he he wasn't this is relevant to the story anyway he wasn't white um but he said that like if he experiences like a racist comment or whatever he's like I just kind of shrug it off because I don't really want to get into a fight and like some people just are the way they are mm-hmm. and that's just how they'll always be and I was like oh no like I think it's important to call stuff out and, and like he could even see in my eyes like what was happening yeah. and he was like I see that you don't agree <laughs> and yeah. then the rest of the day was just not the same mm. after that even though it wasn't really that big of a difference of opinion and it wasn't like a big fight or whatever we are the chemistry and everything just was not there after oh that's really interesting so so i think it is interesting to like tell the stories that most encapsulate you or like that you're most passionate about or rather than just telling like whatever random opinion yeah you know and that's another thing too is that Like, so there's this really weird trope with The Bachelor um, where sort of if you get a one-on-one date, they have a day portion where they go horseback riding or go on a boat or whatever, fabulous thing. And then they have an evening portion where they go out to dinner, except they don't really eat dinner because they don't want to eat on camera. (laughs) So they sit in front of a fake dinner, (laughs) but... All these, it's like the contestants, I'm calling them a contestant, I don't know what else to call them, but like, (laughs) it's their job then to like open up and reveal some like personal trauma, basically, or like dark secret about themselves. Um, And it's like this weird sort of like, I don't know, currency or something that they give. And like, if they don't do it, then the bachelor's like, I felt like you didn't really open up to me. But it's like crazy to think about you know sometimes people are like I had a fiance who died in this horrible accident or someone's like my parents got divorced and it was really ugly and like like seriously like the darkest things in your life and it's really crazy to me to think about opening up that way to someone I don't know that well a and then b on camera but to play this game you sort of have to like I don't know, know that. But there's also something to be said for, like you said, like distilling down who you are um, on a date and the person can either like take it or leave it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But like, (laughs) but I'm thinking about doing that in a dating situation and it's like, you would come across so intense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It would be like, oh, in the real world, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's part of the double-edged sword of the manufactured world of The Bachelor. It's like, that's what is expected of you. But, it yeah, in the real world, 
people would just think you were nuts, I think, if if you came out swinging like that, unless it was a very specific type of relationship or, like, you felt a really intense connection yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, and I wonder if that's maybe um, a way to force a fake connection, like, on this show oh, or force yeah. a connection sooner, maybe. You know, I think that does happen in real life, too, where, like, people will overshare Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, I have a friend who's a therapist, and, and she's like a huge fan of Brene Brown. And oh, and I love even, her. Yeah, done her courses and stuff. But um, she says, and and Brene Brown actually says this in her Netflix special that like true vulnerability is not not having boundaries and oversharing. Mm. Like that's not really what it means to be vulnerable. So yes, like. In order for there to be any sort of love happening, there has to be vulnerability, but it's not the same as like posting about your messy divorce on Facebook or whatever, or yeah, right, you know, or like coming right. But I think sometimes in real life, people will overshare and think, like, oh, but I shared all that with you, and you know, right, and you're like, yeah, but we still haven't even gone on a second date. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you still don't know my last name. (laughs) When it's sharing with like a price tag attached to it or something, or like you know a tit for tat expected, that's not good. Um, More authentic. Well, yeah, and that's like kind of the key for relationships in general, right? Like any time it's a tit for tat. That yeah. I mean, I haven't been married, but I imagine that that's just not the way to go in marriage or any relationship. No. Just like, well, I did this, so (laughs) I expect that. I mean, sometimes you have those conversations, but (laughs) yeah, long term that's not gonna work. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So the second thing I learned from The Bachelor, and this is also statistically backed up, is that women are better pickers than men. What? So the couples that formed on The Bachelorette, actually, there's more successful couples still together than the couples from The Bachelor. Yeah, so when the women do the picking, they have, like, a higher um, chance of, of making a good match, I guess. Which is really interesting to me. That's very interesting. Because I feel like, I don't know, it's it's interesting to think about the way, like, what qualities women go for versus men in that situation where you have, like, 30 people who claim that they're in love with you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, have you noticed a pattern? In terms of who ends up together? Or just in terms of, like, what the men are looking for versus what the women are looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think um, with men, they get distracted a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, there's a lot of... I think sometimes the men have a hard time telling the difference between when someone is like being authentic and when someone is just really there for like their 15 minutes of fame. That seems to be like a recurring pattern on The Bachelor Mm. that I think women are a little bit better at seeing through that when people are trying to manipulate them. Maybe because we sort of have to like have a nose for that with men. Yeah. but yeah, it it seems like women can tell a little bit better when men are being authentic. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wonder because I know there's that um, dating app that's like the women do the picking, Bumble. right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I wonder what the statistics are in that versus like other ones or Oh, actually, I've heard that they're not that great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I haven't heard about people using that as much anymore. Yeah, I only hear about it every once in a while. Hmm. And I'm not on it because I just, well, I'm kind of sick of online dating in general. I'm just yeah. like, one more profile. I know, yeah. There's a lot of that. Number three, what I learned is that fear brings people together. <laughs> so they go on a lot of like adventurous dates. Like the classic thing is like going up in a helicopter together, bungee jumping, um, rappelling down a building, like that kind of thing. And that seems to really like, I think it's the combination of adrenaline and like the fear factor of doing something new, just like seems to really like speed up these relationships yeah i actually that's actually proven or it's been backed up by psychological studies that um i remember when i was in like psych 101 um we read about a study uh, where and it was from like the 70s oh. where they had like a a ta go out and ask survey questions and then later they would ask the men if they would be uh, if they would ask her out or if they were attracted to her and they did it just normally like on campus and then they did it on like this old rickety swinging bridge <laughs> and and like when it was on the bridge they were much more likely to be attracted to her and to want to ask her out oh. again so, and the uh people who organized the study kind of hypothesized that it was like the heart beating fast oh wow and that you just like if if you're just in a situation where your heart's beating fast, then you'll kind of your body kind of associates that with being in love as well. So you'll just automatically be attracted to the person yeah. that you're in that situation with. Or yeah, that and, makes and, sense. And the hormones and everything are kind of the same from wow. here as in love. So yeah, I guess a uh, hot tip, do something dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, I remember reading an article that was saying that, like, people in long-term relationships should, like, travel new places or, mm -hmm. like, do new things together because it's sort of the same thing where it, like, gets your blood pumping, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, a bonding thing, too, to do something together you've never done before. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's actually a useful thing to <laughs> <laughs> There's not going to be a lot of them. <laughs> um, number, number four is people spend money on people they really like. So I don't know if this is useful, but every season they have like one weird date, which is basically they just go shopping and the bachelor or bachelorette picks a person that they're like, I just want to spoil you. And so they like, <laughs> it's really weird. They like go into some high end luxury store and then like, buy them a whole bunch of stuff and I think it's mostly used to like stir up um drama with the other contestants because the person comes back to the hotel with like all these bags and stuff and then it makes the other people jealous and you know that stirs up like their reaction but I've also found that usually the people that go on these dates end up like a lot of times they're the ones that make it all the way to the end too. So I wonder if there's something there about how people spend money and like, or if it's like something about spending money on someone makes you more attached to them. I don't know. Or the desire to spoil. Right. Yeah. 
I know. I think it's so gross. But <laughs> I hate these dates, honestly. Wait, so why did you start your podcast? <laughs> because I hate The Bachelor. <laughs> I like, because I think it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially like as a feminist, it's like not really, it's a very complicated relationship I have with the show. <laughs> it's definitely a love-hate. Yeah. But it's just, it's funny. It's like... Um, you know, it's crazy. Sometimes you do see these couples actually fall in love on the show and you're like, how in this super heightened environment or how could you not, I guess. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. Yeah. That's very interesting. But also like, I mean, have you, I mean, I'm sure you've read about or heard about like the, that the producers are the ones deciding who goes home and who stays. So what kind of I, I just wonder, like, how can these people still be married after if, like, there's been so much manipulation? I think a lot of the successful ones say they don't watch the show um, because, you know, I mean, let's say you end up with someone at the end, you're not going to want to watch them dating all these other people and having, like, moments with them. Yeah. I think that's probably a good um, thing to do. I don't know. I think... The more successful ones also seem to sort of stay out of the spotlight a little bit, at least initially. Um, The ones that are, like, all about the appearances and, like, being everywhere together and on every TV show tend to, like, flame out pretty quickly. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. So I think you just have to kind of, like, create a little bubble for yourself. Right. But it's there's definitely a little bit of denial in there, I think. Because, I mean, in terms of, like, not watching the show and not seeing, like, I'm sure you could torture yourself if you wanted to go watch your boyfriend date, you know, oh, yeah. someone else. And also just imagine the sliding doors type scenarios of, like, what could have happened if the producers hadn't taken right. that person out and, you know. Yeah, I don't think they have full control, but I think it's, like, a little bit of, like give and take with the producers. Yeah. So I think they have people designated from the beginning that they're like, these are the front runners Mm. or this person's going to be the villain or whatever. Have you ever seen Unreal? No. Oh, it's, um, I think it's on Lifetime now, but it's basically, it's a, a narrative show, but it's about a reality show like The Bachelorette. And I think it was created by someone who was, a former producer on The Bachelor. Oh, yeah. And um, it's like a behind-the-scenes thing, and I feel like that gives a lot of insight into what probably happens behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they have front runners. The You know, I think the the, the Bachelor Bachelorette still has, like, a lot of say in it. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it's definitely, I mean, there is manipulation going on. You're right. So... It's interesting to think about, like, translating that to real life, yeah. like, what forces would be pushing you towards somewhere I mean, not. yeah, because, I, I mean, that that kind of happens in real life, too, where it's, like... Your friends are, like, yeah. pressuring you to go out with someone. Right. Or, or, or like, you hit it off someone, they move, have to move away, or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing that happens is, um, people go home sometimes of their own accord um, because 
the people that get cast on the show, they don't necessarily know who is going to be the Bachelor or the Bachelorette when they're applying to that's be on the show. That's another thing that's so weird to me. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. So, they go on the show. They might have hoped it was some, like, person A. It ends up being person B. They still have to go on and pretend, like, I'm so crazy for person B, you know. Um, so, a lot of those people end up, like, getting weeded out early, I think. Yeah. Yeah, self-selection out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is a good one. For number five, things I learned from The Bachelor, is intimacy doesn't just mean sex. Hmm. So I think the third from the last date um, is the fantasy suite date, which is when I think they're down to three people. Yeah, maybe second to last. Whatever. They're down to three people, and they usually, like, have a card comes at the end of their date with each person saying, you know, if you choose to forgo your individual suites, you can stay together tonight in the fantasy suite. So they spend the night together. You know, of course, like, they usually don't kiss and tell about what happens. But historically, um, what they've all said is that they usually spend most of the time talking because it's their only time off camera together where they're completely alone. So I always thought that's interesting that like, yes, everyone like focuses on the possibility of them having sex or whatever, especially with this last season, the bachelor was a virgin and that was like a whole big arc for the season or whatever, um, that they didn't end up telling us anything that happened. Because, like, gross, right? <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, they're always, like, like I remember Rachel Lindsay's season of The Bachelorette. She was, like, oh, I just, like, asked him his credit score. Like, <laughs> what's your health insurance like? Like, yeah, it's really interesting to me that the first time they have a loan with each other, like, that's really the stuff they're going for. That is very interesting. Yeah. And also potentially more... I guess arguably more important yeah. in a long-term relationship. Yeah, I mean, you ha- there's time to figure out sex, where, you know, but if you're getting proposed to, you definitely want to know <laughs> what their... Credit like, score. Yeah, or their politics yeah. or religion or whatever else you, like, can't really ask them on camera. Um, yeah, but I think that's... I don't know. That was just, like, very interesting to me because mm-hmm. that's what the camera seems to hinder more. I mean, they're, like, making out and kissing on camera and stuff, but, like, oh. there's a lot of stuff they can't talk about on camera, too. Yeah, that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, number five. I mean, number six. The squeaky wheel gets dumped. <laughs> so... Usually there, like, inevitably there is some drama between the contestants, and usually, like, one person decides it's their job to point out about the other person, like, oh, they're not here for the right reasons. They, that's, like, the classic bachelor line. They're like, she's only here to, like, jumpstart her country's singing career, or whatever. Um, And usually the person who brings that issue to the bachelor's attention ends up going home Mm. like if you like it doesn't matter if you're you have the best intentions if you're involved with drama like they don't want anything to do with it and the same happens too with the bachelorette so i feel like that's kind of 
interesting. I wonder if that happens in dating too. If you're like, this person is just like a little too complicated, you know, maybe people don't, you know, people like, I guess, don't want to add more complications to their lives, you know? Oh, I think that's definitely true in real life. Yeah. Uh, because like, well, I've had situations where like it was going okay, but then we would be like talking on the phone and then I stupidly chose to take the entire conversation to like complain about my roommate or like something stupid or like work or whatever. Mm. And I could tell, and then, then it just sort of like would fizzle out, Oh, you know? that's interesting. And so I have kind of a theory that it's like looking back, I'm like, well, I really shouldn't have done that. Like we should have just spent that time to get to know each other. Mm. But that just happened to be what was on my mind. Yeah. You know, cause it's just like normal. And so, yeah, I think, Especially when you're just getting to know someone, if you spend time, a lot of time complaining about something else. Or also, one thing I've heard, I haven't really experienced it a whole lot, but people talking about their exes oh, and how that's yeah. like just a major turnoff and, and red flag, basically, to everyone if you just start going in on your exes. Mm. Well, that's so interesting because on this show, like, they ask about exes a lot and they bring them up and... I mean, does that happen in... It's been a while, a long time since I've been on a page. <laughs> um, I mean, does that... Do people ask about your exes or your previous yeah. relationships? Actually, well, because it's really interesting because now that we're in the internet age and people feel so uh, emboldened, I guess, to ask about a lot of stuff that I think normally mm. in the past wouldn't have come up until later dates. But yeah, I've been asked like, or even just online before even going on a date. Like, when was your last relationship? Why do you think it didn't work out? Why do you, Why are you single now? Why are you single now? That's, that's a intense. huge... That's a really big question. Like, I've had it so many times that people just ask, and I'm like, how do you expect me to answer that? It's right. such a complex question. Oh, my God. There's just so many factors. Yeah. I um, mean, you could ask me, why are you married now? <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> a huge question, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's like, I don't know how you expect anybody to answer it over an app to a stranger. Right. You know, but that's like one of the first questions they just ask right out the gate. And, but usually for me, that's kind of a turn off. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's a lot. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with you? I feel like it's like, yeah, the yeah, exactly. Shorthand. So, so what's your deal? Right. What's your deal? Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to waste my time actually getting to know you. Right. <laughs> that's right. crazy. Um, okay, number seven on this list of things I learned from The Bachelor. Um, engagement does not necessarily lead to marriage. Mm. So this is probably pretty Bachelor-specific compared to real life. But a lot of these engagements, you know, they get engaged on the show. Then I would say it's pretty rare for them to actually get married within, like, a year of the show. Usually they... It's at least, like, a year and a half, two years before they even, like, really start planning. So it's kind of just a gesture. I mean, it's crazy because it's, like, they have this big picturesque proposal. They have this huge ring. They, you know, prance around like, I'm engaged, I'm engaged, my fiancé, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, nothing happens for years. And 
I don't know. That's just crazy. Just like wedding planning for me was like the worst time of my life. It was so <laughs> stressful. And like everyone's asking you about it anytime you see them. Like I can't imagine dragging that out to multiple years. Yeah. Especially when you're in the public eye too. Yeah. But it's also like, like I said, they've only known each other for eight weeks. So it's understandable they would want to take their time, you know, to get to know each other a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe don't jump in too quick. To yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe don't. Take away. <laughs> I mean, it's actually interesting because this last couple on The Bachelor actually didn't get engaged. Um, it was sort of a weird situation where he, she left the show. She kind of broke up with him he was like so devastated by that that he didn't like almost quit the show because he was um you know he didn't want to go on dates with like the other two women who were left so yeah so he kind of went to talk to her and sort of like convinced her to stay i guess so they're not engaged but they're just like dating right now sort of an which is like that makes perfect sense. Right. right. That might be healthier in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways. Yeah. It's like so much pressure to get engaged. Um, but that was very unusual for the setup of the show, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Number eight. Men really like pear-shaped diamonds. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, um, towards the end of the list. So... They, there's this jeweler, Neil Lane, who I guess is the official jeweler of the Bachelor Bachelorette. And, like, the guys always go and pick out this, like, super gaudy, huge, multi-carat engagement ring. And they always end up going for pear-shaped diamonds, which I don't know how in vogue they are. That's, like, sort of like a, like a teardrop shape, I right. guess, for people that don't know. I don't think I've ever seen one in real life, actually. Like, any normal person just wearing one around. Yeah, because I feel like most women that like a diamond like something a little more classic, like a round cut or like a princess cut, cushion cut, whatever cut. Um, Pear is like a bold choice, but guys seem to think that's that's where it's at. (laughs) That's so weird. Yeah, so I would say my advice to women is, like, talk to uh, your partner (laughs) or men, whatever. Talk to your partner beforehand about the ring. Because on their own, you might get a pear shape. Yeah, you might not love it. (laughs) Um, All right, number nine. Okay, this is actually my apply to life. So... Uh Sometimes 23-year-olds can be ready to settle down and have kids, and sometimes 37-year-olds don't know what they want. Oh, isn't that the truth? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you found that? Welcome my... to L.A. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I've said this before on the podcast, but I have a theory that everybody who moves to L.A. gets sort of stuck in the age that they moved to Ooh. the city at. That's, that's really good theory. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so that's how you get, like, 50-year-olds that just, like, don't have it together and, like, you wouldn't trust no with any responsibility, let alone a child, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like, in other places where you don't have that, you know, like, I, I, 
Actually, I know people that married their high school sweethearts and they're still together and they, you know, so it's, yeah, it's a weird world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a weird world. Well, that's the thing too. They cast from all over the country. Mm. Um, but we had, I guess this was like, God, not last season of The Bachelor, but the year before, um, our eighth season. He was like 37 years old. And he was like, oh, my brother just got married and it really made me realize how much I want to get married, which mm. is like, mm, that's really healthy. Yeah. Um, but he was dating this uh, woman, Becca, who was like 22 at the time or something, 23. And everyone was like, she's too young for you, you know. And, you know, within six months of the show, she got pregnant, like by a new boyfriend. She has a baby now, is like totally loves being a mom. He, meanwhile, is like, I, I think he just, I think he just got married in the past couple months, but like... They haven't... Oh, I think she actually did get pregnant. But, like, basically, she was moving a lot faster. Yeah. He, you know, he had this, like, crazy thing where he got engaged to a woman, then he broke up with her, and then got engaged to a different woman. It's just, like, age does not necessarily mean commitment level. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then how do you know going you into know? it? You I guess don't. if they don't take off the costume <laughs> on your dates, <laughs> then you know they're in it to win it. Right? <laughs> right. Then you know they can really commit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've started to see on, because uh, I guess I'm getting older, so uh, whenever I do go on OkCupid, okay um, I'm starting to see more profiles of guys that are divorced and they're like, so that means I can commit. Like they really are oh trying to spin God. it in a good way. Yes. And I'm like, well, I admire the hustle. That was a hundred percent the, like the storyline of this guy that, that Becca chose like last season that he had been, yeah, he had married really young and gotten divorced and they were like, that's so you know he can commit. And it's like, well, I got divorced. So like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like he committed until he didn't like, yeah. I don't like, I'm sure there was the wrong person. I'm or... sure there were reasons for it. Yeah. Exactly. But like, <laughs> it's such a weird way to spin it. It's a really, really weird way to advertise yourself as the one paragraph, your opening paragraph yeah. To the world. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Putting it out there, putting I guess. Putting it out there. But then meanwhile, yeah, it's like people, I date guys I've dated in their late 40s, like, barely holding in their lives together. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I would rather have someone who committed once and knows the value of it than sure, someone yeah. who's always canceling your dates and... God, yeah. age really is just a number. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> All right. Uh, my final uh, thing and 10 things I learned from The Bachelor, number 10. The show, generally speaking, does not work. Hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Overall, <laughs> overall, it's not a good way to date someone and find a lifelong partner. Um, they do not have a high success rate. I think it's definitely under 50%. It might be like... 25 to 30 percent of the couples uh have stayed together at any given time so yeah i would not recommend it to reach your life partner basically so do you have like anti um 
lessons? Like, like, do you have uh, advice that's the opposite of The Bachelor of like how to go? Ooh, that is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Well, it's really interesting to me the aspect of them dating multiple people at the same time, which is complicated. I mean, there's like once in my life where I dated two guys at the same time, and that was like maxed out. <laughs> so yeah. the idea of dating like 20 to 30 women at the same time, I can, I don't know. Like the argument I think on the show is like, oh, you'll figure out what you really want. But I just remember even with two guys being like, I don't know, I like them both so much in different ways. Like, yeah. I don't know, I can't like really choose. Like, I don't know. Yeah, for me, it gets really hard because I, I am not against dating multiple people at once, at least just casually. Because, right. you know, it, it helps you not focus on duly on one person and because if you're only dating one person at least for me it's easy to put the cart before the horse and think like oh it's a third day you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's meant to be send out the save the dates right <laughs> so so if you're dating multiple people it's it's easier to like chill and but even on online messaging it's really hard for me to devote the time and attention that I want to devote to even like five different people messaging at the same time you know because it's like I have to sit down and remind myself like this person is a human being worthy of dignity and respect because it just at a certain point becomes like another chore that I have to do is like respond to this person mm. and when, when it's like five different conversations going on at once and yeah. you have to like kind of keep a chart of like okay what information have they told me and like what's their sister's name and like <laughs> you know where where do they work and, and it becomes really hard and it's not in my nature to do no, that I, no same it's I mean especially like I'm more of an introvert too that like the idea of juggling multiple relationships like that is not definitely something uh, I could handle long term I mean different people's needs and I yeah. don't know that becomes an issue too and on the schedules. show <laughs> schedules yeah <laughs> But, like, there's always people who feel like they're not getting enough time with this person or they feel neglected or whatever, um, which is understandable, you know? But, yeah. and it's, like, I don't know, last season of The Bachelorette, too, um, there was, like, definitely a front runner, And then she got to the end and was, like, you know what? I felt like I was so focused on this guy, Blake, that I didn't really give myself the room to explore other relationships and like so she was like really towards the end of the process and they seemed like a really good match for each other and then she started like veering towards this guy Garrett instead and was like um I didn't really see him he was in front of me the whole time wow yeah so it is kind of like I guess you could get tunnel vision sort of or or like yeah not really give yourself I mean, I could see definitely, like, going with your gut right away being, like, this is the person. Um, but it gets complicated because you're supposed to be giving everyone equal time. Yeah. And have you noticed in particular, like, what makes a couple work or get along better versus not? Yeah. Um, 
I feel like it seems like couples who um, can be themselves around each other, mm. that's probably like, that's hard to quantify, but like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just such a dork, which, you know, they're like the hottest people you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think the idea is like, they feel like they can be comfortable around this other person or they like another person was like oh you remind me of home um I think that level of like comfortability Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. definitely it makes for a a solid match oh yeah that makes sense I noticed did you watch dating around on Netflix no is it good oh it's really good and it's so interesting um because uh the premise of it for people who don't know is uh basically every episode has one person and then they go on a date uh with a few different people and it's at the same restaurant oh so basically all of the other factors are controlled so you just see the relationship and they intercut the dates so you see like different information coming out or like you know you kind of see at at this point in the date like with this person it's this is happening, but with this other person, this other thing is happening, and, like, the conversations sometimes are similar, sometimes are different, um, but it definitely seemed like there were some people that were, uh, either, like you said, like, they're in it for their 15 minutes of fame or whatever, Mm. and they're kind of being really extra for no reason, (laughs) (laughs) um, or some people that, like, even, not even for the cameras, but seem to be putting on kind of a weird front mm. um and the, but then there are other couples that although there were some couples that are like wow i was like they have a lot of chemistry oh because uh the premise of it is like at the end the the central person chooses one person to go on a second date with oh cool. so it's kind of like house hunters or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <pretty good. laughs> yeah. Um, but so like yeah i thought that there were certain couples that had a lot of chemistry on screen but then they weren't the person that they chose to go on a second date with yeah that's always interesting when that happens um i'm really bad at choosing like who they end up with in the end because uh, yeah, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I like this person, or like they had so much fun with that person. And I think a lot of the time on this show, it's like they are really good friends, or they end up like having mm-hmm. a really amazing friendship. But like for whatever reason, for them, the like X factor isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's easy to see people like a man and a woman on a dating show, like having a great time together, and be like, they're perfect but like it could just be a platonic thing yeah i don't know if that's part of it on this show it might be yeah I'm definitely gonna check it out oh yeah you should i, I think you would really like it um and it, it yeah I, it's that's so interesting though it's such an interesting question of like what separates a romantic relationship from a friendship and, yeah. yeah yeah and like how can we tell from the outside i mean you see them kiss and stuff, but, like, it could just be totally, like, terrible for them. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're obviously not going to say. I don't know. I guess that's an, that's another takeaway, too. Appearances could be deceiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, isn't that always, like, you never know what's going on in someone else's relationship. Yeah. Um, 
that's for sure. And that's what like, it's so interesting to me about the, the time they have off screen and how that seems to change things where it's like, it's hard to imagine someone coming out of that and not like knowing, okay, this person, you know, definitely this person, definitely not. Yeah. But they always are like, at the end, they're always like, oh, I'm so torn. <laughs> but that's just for TV, you know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. I would say probably. Because that's, that's what's going to pull in the ratings, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then they always throw in the like, or will they get rejected and be alone forever? Oh. <laughs> they literally use that language, like, be alone forever. And I'm like, okay, this person's, like, in their 30s. They're not going to be alone forever. Wow. Because like, they didn't make it on a dating show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe that's another takeaway is we all, in general, just put too much importance on... Both The Bachelor and dates in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking about this today because, like, for work, um, it's a long story of how this happened, but I ended up looking at some wedding videos and stuff uh, for work today. And um, uh, one of them, the people met on an elevator. Oh, cute. Yeah, which is totally cute. You know, and it showed them, like, kind of reading their own vows to each other. And um, the, the, and the groom was, like, you know, such a mundane activity. Like, who would have ever thought? But, it, yeah. you know, it led. And so I was just thinking today, too, that it's like, wow, you don't have to really manufacture. Uh, you know, you don't have to have the best date ever for something to blossom into a really great relationship and become marriage you know but then and then then at the same time it's like you can have a really elaborate date planned and like that x factor like you said is just not there and yeah because these a lot of these couples have in every like way everything working for them they have the romantic location a lot of times they're like traveling they're in a beautiful exotic situation that's all they're doing all day yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um but if it it just doesn't happen it just goes to show that like you can't force it with the wrong person Mm, interesting but i always think about um you know, my husband and I were, like, we met at college, but we, so we actually, like, lived next door to each other freshman year, and we became friends, and we were friends all through college, but we didn't start dating till like, the last month. Um, <laughs> so I finally got myself together and was like, this guy's awesome. But I'm like, I don't know if I would have, like, picked him on one a, show, a situation like this or like even on like a dating app I don't know if like <clears throat> we would have connected um so it's that's cute about like the elevator story too it's like I feel like a lot of these connections happen organically in real life that you can't replicate on a show like this too yeah or even on an app I think that's one of the problems with the dating apps because you're like giving away too much information too quickly. It's not an organic way. I mean, it's good if you look at it like a tool to meet people, but then, mm. you know, there are people that take your profile and then they like interrogate you over the, the like chat or whatever, or like try to have basically a fake relationship. Like I've, oh my gosh, I've, I've had basically entire relationships that like the entire course of relationship happened over a week where like it was really intense and we were talking a lot over the phone and like the guys were calling me a lot. 
and then um, it just like fizzled out and then randomly one of them I got this message like a month later saying well I lost my phone and I wanted to explain it to you and stuff but it was like it fizzled out like when I started to say like Hi, do you want to get coffee? Right. Like, <laughs> because this guy was like calling me, like he and he was like texting me in the morning, texting me at night, calling me three or four times, you know, during the day. Yeah. And so, so I was like, uh, that seems like such a thing. Like I know so many friends that are dating who are like, oh yeah, I'm just talking to this guy or whatever, and I'm like, I don't even like text my friends that much, you know? Yeah, it's it's so weird, and it, yeah, it leads you to wonder like what actually is going on with this like is it i don't know like because um i guess a lot of married guys get on apps too to, oh yeah you know and so at that point it is pure fantasy and yeah and they're um, just wasting your time right but you know they're just in it to try to like i don't know have some fun i guess like to try to feel like they're still they still got it or whatever <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, it is, it is really interesting to think about how, you know, I, I think some people approach dates or dating apps or whatever as like, oh, this needs to be an instant relationship. And if we don't have like a really great time right now, then it's all over mm. and everything's going to, or, or like if I swipe left on this, per, like it could, can create a lot of anxiety. Like if I swipe left and what if, what if I swipe left on my future husband, but like, I just don't know. And then like, we'll never meet. And then, you know, it creates so much anxiety. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And then I think it's good to sometimes just sit back and think like, no, sometimes people meet on elevators. Totally. <laughs> I have a, um, a friend of mine met her husband on an airplane Wow. They, like, sat next to each other. Now they have a, a very cute baby. Aw, that's cute. Okay, yeah. so there's hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does happen. We don't have to be on The Bachelor, and even if we were, that would probably lead to bad results. Yeah, please don't go on The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people should, because I still want to watch it. But. <laughs> so, um, how can people find your podcast? Yeah, um, we're in iTunes. Uh, it's called My Wife is in This Room, a post-Bachelor podcast. Um and yeah, that's or you can go to mywifeisinthisroom.com. Ooh, okay, um, nice. Yeah. And when are you starting your new season? Uh, May 15th is going to be the first episode of the new season. So very soon. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Okay, everybody check it out if you want to hate watch along with Liz. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> please, someone join me in this toil. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Larson Mary Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.